As we move along our journey of Advent into the second week of this season, we come to the familiar story of John the Baptist in the wilderness. Indeed, the collect for the day, our opening prayer, which is set for this Sunday every year, uh, reminds us of the work and the role of the prophets. And St. John the Baptist is considered to be the last in the great line of biblical prophets, sort of foretelling the coming of the, uh, of the second new covenant. Of course, Isaiah is also one of the more well-known prophets in the Old Testament uh, scriptures, and he is most well-known as well for proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, though he lived many centuries before Jesus. We know, of course, that John the Baptist and Jesus were contemporaries, and not just contemporaries, but were actually cousins, separated in age by only about six months. Remember the story of the visitation. After Mary gets the message from the angel Gabriel about God's plan for her, and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who in her old age, after everyone thought that she would no longer conceive, was expecting a child. And she was in the sixth month. And when Mary greeted her, the child in her womb leapt for joy. And of course, that child would become John the Baptist. And we recognize John in art and in uh, literature and paintings and whatnot, usually seen in his camel hair, sometimes uh, carrying a small cross of his own that says in Latin, uh, Ece Agnus Dei, which means behold the Lamb of God. And if you are to go to an Orthodox church and you see the icon screen, which uh, divides the altar from the rest of the church, on that icon screen, you will see an image of John the Baptist pointing inward toward the altar, toward Christ. And so John the Baptist, like, like Jesus' mother Mary, is always pointing us toward Jesus. And you can see in our own church an example of uh, this representation uh, over here in the uh, transept, this beautiful painting uh, signed by Raphael. The original is in the Louvre, and it shows the Virgin Mary with two small children. One, of course, is her son, Jesus. The other is baby John the Baptist. And so I don't know if Mary ever babysat for John the Baptist. We did, that's uh, sort of up to our imaginations. But certainly, he and Jesus would have been familiar with each other. We don't know how close they were growing up, because we get to the point where Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, um, and there's, there is that interchange between he and Jesus, but that, of course, is a sermon for another time. But John is out in the wilderness uh, at, at the River Jordan, baptizing people. And if you go there today, you will see that the Jordan River is not anything like the Hudson River or the Mississippi River or uh, the Nile or the Amazon, any of these great mythical rivers. It's really more of a creek, and it's muddy, and there are a lot of flies, actually. And on either side, you've got pilgrimage sites. On the Israeli side, you have a lot more people who are part of you know, package tours and pilgrimages and whatnot. And there's a big complex there. And in order to get there, you drive down a, a main road and then turn off and go down a, a much narrower road past uh, what looks like a medieval fortress and some military installations. 
and then you pass through on either side active minefields where they're still sweeping for landmines, and then finally get to the site where you can unload and go down to the river. And many people get into the river. Some are being baptized, some just want to be in the water. There's also the Jordanian side, which uh, is much less touristy. And uh, in fact, the king of Jordan has given land all along the ridge above the river to different churches of different nations to build uh, shrines there. And so it's a, a very beautiful site and a place people have been going since at least the Middle Ages on pilgrimage. But it's, as I say, it's not some majestic river. And remember the story uh, of Naaman when he was cured of, of uh, leprosy in the Old Testament. He is to go and wash in the river, and he doesn't want to go wash in that little muddy river. He says, well, aren't these other rivers much greater and grander and cleaner, and shouldn't I just go there? And the servant says, he's asked very little of you, the, the man of God, the prophet, just go into this river and wash and be clean. And so that foreshadows this coming of John the Baptist and going to this, so this strange person who lives in the wilderness, he wears uh, camel hair, he eats bugs and wild honey, and he hangs out near this muddy river. And yet people from all over come to hear what he has to say. They come to receive the baptism of water which he provides to uh, help them to repent of their sins. And so this uh, image of John the Baptist in Advent is very appropriate at this particular time. Because remember, last week, the opening scripture for Advent was Jesus himself talking about uh, the, la- the final coming of, 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 of God and how no one knows the time or the hour, not even the Son, but only the Father. And so stay awake and be alert for the coming of God. And so that plays into the Advent theme. And then we follow through with the the second of the the last four things that Advent represents, the second being judgment. And so John the Baptist here in this gospel reading is helping people to judge themselves. Remember last week in the exhortation that I read, uh, the prayer book says, judge yourselves Therefore, lest you be judged by the Lord. And so this judgment, I don't think, is a sort of condemning judgment. It's a sort of self-searching, self-awareness kind of judgment. And the work that we do during Advent, the spiritual work that we do uh, amongst ourselves and with one another and in coming to church and hearing uh, the gospel and partaking of the sacraments, is that sort of preparation. How many of you, of course, in your homes right now are making... Uh, different types of preparations for the holidays, to receive guests in your home, perhaps, getting ready for your big Christmas dinner or to put up your holiday decorations. Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, you're, you're making preparations in your external environment. Well, this is what we're doing here and now in church. We're making preparations to receive the greatest guest internally, in our minds, in our hearts, and in our souls. And so we we look to this example of St. John the Baptist and the other prophets throughout Holy Scriptures, and especially this time of year, to Isaiah. And we look to their, their voice, their voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That Isaiah said those words, but the person he was talking about was John the Baptist. 
And so John literally is a voice in the wilderness crying out, telling people to repent and to make their, get their lives in order, make the pathway straight for, for God. In other words, make it so that God can come to you. And when God does come to you, you can receive him. Pay attention today in the, uh, in the Eucharistic canon to the words of what is called the proper preface. After I say the Lord be with you and also with you, uh, the next little bit is called the proper preface. And we have the preface for Advent. And it's all about preparing our hearts to receive Jesus now and preparing to meet him when he comes again. And so Advent has this dual nature, dual in that it's, we are preparing ourselves for, for this season and for the reception of Jesus Christ at Christmas time as the, the gift that was given to us in the manger 2,000 years ago. But we're also preparing our hearts and our souls and our minds to meet him one day face to face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.